Welcome to season two of the Do More Good podcast. They gave us a second series. Oh, don't tell anybody. You need to kind of just go fast and seize those opportunities. We have no access to any kind of finance whatsoever, but I am drowning in brown <laughs> If your people aren't lined up behind why the change they're trying to make is important, nothing happens. What's the difference between work and home life? It doesn't mean you have to be on 24-7, but you have to be receptive to inspiration. Welcome to the Do More Good podcast episode 18. I'm James and I'm just heading over to Westminster where we're meeting Peter from the Institute of Fundraising. Those of you who've been paying attention will recall us talking to Amanda about the work the IOF were doing around diversity in fundraising when we were up in Scotland and I'm sure you would all agree we are not great on that front in this sector. So they have launched the Change Collective, a campaign to research, influence and address the issue. We're going to find out a little bit more about what they're doing and how you can get involved. Good morning, Kenneth. How are you doing? James, I'm all right. It's good to be back again. How are you? Yeah, fine. Fine. All good. We are in the offices of the Institute of Fundraising this morning. There's a little bit of damp offices in the Institute of Fundraising <laughs> this morning. And yeah, had people, a bit of a people may have heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bit of a fire upstairs and then a bit of flooding since then. So, But looking remarkably okay. No, they've done a great job. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't even, even notice. It still looks uh, better than my office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how you recovered from the... Uh, the oh, not recovered. Sorry, I'm I'm implying you're a Spurs fan, but actually you're the other side of uh, well, no, North London, t- aren't you? Still took a bit of recovery. Yes, uh, I really enjoyed that yesterday. It was yeah. a g- it was a good day. It was a good day. But we've got an interesting guest today. Actually, um, something I've been really looking forward to since you since you got it arranged. So yes, so we are here, sat in the office with Peter Lewis, the chief executive of the Institute of Fundraising for the past seven years, I think. Uh, Time flies. <laughs> is the chair of trustees <laughs> at Street Doctors. An active fundraiser for Ashwara Children's Home in Nepal. And I say he's, a, he's, he's active, he's a committed fundraiser to this. As for our listeners, Peter is sporting a new look, having shaved his head as part of a fundraising drive last month. Well spotted. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. Thank you very much. Good to be here. We're going to talk a lot around diversity and inclusion and equality today. But just to kick us off, how did you find your way to the, to the Institute? How has your career led you here? Pretty circuitously, actually. So I started off life as a city solicitor, one of the Magic Circle firms, and decided that 80-hour weeks weren't for me in the end and that I wanted to do something more in accordance with my value system. So ended up volunteering a bit for a couple of charities, uh, worked for Crisis for three years, developing their services around the UK, uh, and then went to be my first chief exec role was at the London Cycling Campaign that I also still care about a lot kind of taking it from pretty much nothing two or three staff up to what it is today fantastic campaigning organization really making it better for cyclists in london mm-hmm. from there i made a uh, leap into the statutory sector working for ken livingston when he was mayor for six years in his mayor in his office and that gave me a really broad overview of of trying to develop the wider benefits of the olympics for people around london sports participation volunteering mm-hmm how we can make sure that local people got jobs in relation to the games. 
So that was great. I got kicked out when Boris got elected. <laughs> uh, my last job was taking him to Beijing, actually, to introduce him to all the London 2012 people. And then ran the London Voluntary Service Council, so another membership organisations, but organisations in, in London, focus around poverty and inequality. And then the world at the Institute came up, and I thought, actually, it's time, Peter, to get your nose out of London and do something on a national scale. I'd learned by then that any chief exec needs to be able to bring the money in to do the stuff that they want to achieve. Mm. So it seemed a really good fit, and I've not looked back, really. And can I just ask, Pete, for those people who are listening who maybe have heard of the Institute of Fundraising, yep. but you know maybe don't know too much about what the organisation sure. actually does, can you just give us a flavour of what you do? Yeah, so we're the professional body for fundraisers all around the UK. We've got 6,000 individual members from 3,000 different charities. We've got a great reach. We've got office in Scotland, office in Wales, team in Northern Ireland. And we provide professional development and training for individual fundraisers. And then for our organisational members, we've got 600 organisations, charities who are members. Uh, and for them, basically, we provide them with a voice to government, a voice in the media. Uh, we work on fundraising standards and try and influence public policy and stakeholders to create a really good environment for people and charities to fundraise. Mm. Yeah, excellent. Okay. And do you want to tell us about the drama of the last couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> the drama of the last couple of weeks. Yeah, my phone started ringing uh, two weeks ago on Sunday at about four o'clock in the morning. Ouch. Uh, and there'd been a fire on the third floor of this building. And the fire brigade, love them to bits, had come charging in, and I think we're probably a bit overexcited with their hoses. <laughs> and um, <laughs> trying out all the new toys. <laughs> well, you know, as a chief, as a chief exec, you kind of think, yeah, I've got to have my emergency recovery plan. But I hadn't quite visualised that if there'd been a fire higher up in the building, that all the water then comes streaming down, of which of course yeah. it does. Yeah. So yes, it was it was paddling time on the Sunday here. I mean, I have to say, the team have done an amazing job getting his back active we've got a temporary office a few minutes walk away mm. and this and all our trainings continue so the team have really pulled out all the stops to keep us operating yeah we certainly well is, is busy in here today and it's look even looks like there's work going on so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> impressive i yeah. should hope so <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we're meeting today is to discuss the change collective yep which launched recently was it the 19th i think it was um Listeners who've been paying attention will remember we were talking to Amanda about diversity in our Scottish episode and she was describing the work that you were doing uh, at that time. But before we get on to, to the work that you're doing, what is the problem here that we're trying to address? So just a huge lack of diversity in, in the fundraising profession, really. I mean, I think if you go to any event or wander around any fundraising team, the vast majority of people there are women, 70%, we reckon. It's reflected in our membership predominantly white middle class very few bme fundraisers at all if you look around a conference there'll be a handful if you're lucky mm. very few disabled fundraisers and also anecdotal evidence that uh, lgbtq people aren't necessarily happy to be open about their sexuality in the workplace so lots of work to do for the fundraising profession to become more diverse and more inclusive and so and, and i noticed kind of reading through before meeting you today Peter, that you, there's, a, there's a survey going on at the moment that you're reaching out to your membership to really get a benchmark, because you've already got a yeah. benchmark or at least some indication of yeah. some of these challenges, but you're, you're now at reaching out to the wider fundraising community and, and asking them to, to tell you what the state of play is in their organisation, is that right? Absolutely. I mean, when I joined, particularly having worked in London all my life and worked 
at the GLA, which was incredibly diverse, and Ken really, really had to work hard to make the GLA reflective of the London population, and then working in the London voluntary sector, walking into fundraising, it was genuinely quite shocking. Wow. We did some work back then, funded by Barrow Cadbury Trust, getting individual fundraisers to compile a survey, and that showed the picture that I've just showed you. And this time, we weren't able to do anything with it then, just because of external circumstances. So we're delighted to do it now, and we just wanted to get under the skin of it a bit more, and therefore targeting organisations rather than individuals. So it doesn't matter what size of charity you are, we really want you to take part and feed in what the... You know, the numbers of fundraisers you've got and what their diversity is so that we can get a really, really granular understanding of what the profession looks like at the moment, provide a good benchmark for us moving forward. But also we're taking the temperature a bit about what people think will make the most difference to help us become a more inclusive profession. Mm. Um, Do we have any idea why, why that is, what's causing this, this lack of diversity in the sector? So it's a, re- it's a really good question. It's one of the things that we've been looking at in developing that evidence base before the manifesto for change which is the launch document for the for the change collective i mean some of it i think is just pure prejudice so some bme people have come into the profession have had a really difficult time you know stories that you know you're black you can't go and see a donor as stark as that in in brand name charities one of the phrases that hit the panel so we've had an independent panel advising us and somebody of the panel just said you know I've had so much feedback that I'm not the right fit Mm. and when she said that you could just feel the whole room emote it was really quite a powerful moment and that's why one of the phrases we've used in the manifesto is you know we want everybody to be the right fit for fundraising so I think there is there is prejudice there there's also the fact that we're not necessarily seen as as credible a profession as accountancy or law or professions like that and people get pushed into into the profession so actually our work to become a chartered body is really important from that and we've had feedback that giving it that external credibility Mm. will really help us attract people who might not see it as a credible profession Mm. at the moment other things you know i think historically the profession was kind of a side profession so women would have their husbands would have the good jobs and they'd go and fundraise as part of their role they didn't need to be particularly well paid it was a it was a nice thing to do and the profession has changed a lot over the last 35 years since the institute has set up uh, it is much more professional we at the institute run qualifications and training which are externally accredited and i think it's just catching up up with that and it's very easy for organizations to carry on doing the same thing you mm. know if if at the moment you as a charity are not spending much on your recruitment budgets you're putting an advert out there you get 20 30 applications it's very easy just for you to do that and you probably end up getting more people who look like you mm. and actually some of the hearts and minds we need to win are of chief execs or of hr colleagues to actually you need to do more effort to reach out to a more diverse population just to get into the profession Mm. and it's slightly the dangerous thing is that it's a bit of a vicious circle at the moment because lots of people we've talked to say they will look at the organization to see whether there were people like them in it Mm. so if you've got young diverse people looking at the 
who's the chief exec, who's the senior team, who are the trustees of an organisation. If they don't see people who look like them, they're less likely to to go into that profession as a career or into that organisation. Mm. I was um, I was reading through the the, the manifesto for, for change, which I've got printed out in front of me here, and, and actually just picking up on one of your points, Peter, the point about the kind of profession and celebrating fundraising yep. and actually making it a profession, it kind of made me reflect a little bit on my experience because I came into fundraising probably four years ago, and, and at the time I remember that the opinion or conversation with you know with friends were like, "Are oh, you going to be a fundraiser? You know, you, you're doing that for." free or you know yeah. you, if you're not got, can you not get yourself a, prop, a proper job and it's that kind of stigma that yeah. we need to break down because what impressed me most was when I got into the organization was seeing how professional how passionate how driven how how absolutely amazing the whole sector is and actually yeah. we need to do a better job at showing that to to people that don't necessarily know what fundraising is all about and then you met me right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. but I think that I think that's absolutely spot on I mean I'm a good deal older than either of you two but, you know, when I was a student, there was the milk round mm. and, you know, the professions, the big firms would mm. come around looking for students. And the charity sector has never really done that, mm. I don't think. And it hasn't shown it as a career that you can go into, you can learn, you can progress, you can get really senior jobs running millions of pounds worth for really vital causes around the UK. We're doing a bit at the moment, so working with... Um, rag week so there's a national association of student rags mm. with loads of people who who get involved in their universities important causes raising money for them and there's quite a number of people who are now senior in the fundraising profession who started their fundraising during student rag weeks yeah, so really reaching out to, to students they actually you know you're doing this for a bit of fun and to make the world a better place now at university well you can make a career out of that mm. and i think one thing we do need to to get the sector together is, is actually how do we, not just fundraising, but working for charities as a whole, how do we make people understand what it's like and how you can feel good about yourself but also get paid well for doing the things that you're doing. And also the disciplines involved in it, right? Is everyone stereotypically thinks of fundraising, of you're going to go out there and stand and, and hold a tin. But, I mean, the, the fundraising teams that, that I've come from, and I'm, I'm sure that James and, and many people listening, hopefully, are very multidimensional. I mean, you're either a very small team where, you know, one person has to do everything yeah. or you're up to, the, you know, the big boys of the world, who are big boys and girls, who have got, uh, you know, teams of people doing digital, people doing finance, people doing strategy strategy all within under the umbrella of fundraising yeah. so you can have that career that you you wish really yeah, so absolutely. yeah so you touched there and a little bit on the moral case maybe as to as to why we should do this any other reasons why we should be looking at this <laughs> so the main reason is the business case and i think for fundraising there are there are two aspects of that i mean one there's huge amounts of research mostly in the private sector you can look at harvard journals you can look uh, more widely in the in the business community about having more diversity sat round the table involved in decisions gives you better decision making and you know if you just google that you will find that so the business case for having diversity of thought within an organization i think goes without saying so that's one aspect i think there's also a really practical aspect in relation to fundraising and that is we need to you know as fundraisers what you're fundamentally doing is it engaging with other people to support your cause and i think unless you really understand those people you can't fundraise to the best possible way so i'd have i was i'm lucky enough to travel with a job and was out in toronto for example and they had a 
there was a panel of a of a Sikh leader, of an imam, of a Catholic priest, of a Jewish leader, all talking about their the traditions of giving within their faith. And the imam told a fantastic story that the mosque that he was an imam at was next to a hospice. The hospice was trying to uh, raise one and a half million dollars for a big refurbishment. And they were quite surprised in the mosque next door that nobody had asked them for money because they've got a huge tradition of, of giving. And so actually what the mosque did is they the, they got together, the Muslim community got together and they raised money. And in the end, they took around a, uh, a cheque for a million Canadian dollars to help the refurbishment of the hospice. And that to me says that actually those fundraisers in that hospice would, weren't confident enough. They didn't understand Islam enough to go around and and talk to the mosque about whether they would support their fundraising appeal. And I think that can apply for lots and lots of charities around the UK, how confident they are reaching out to the current demographics, the current faiths that we have in this glorious country of yeah, ours. Million-pound checks lying around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, how many yeah. big charities have you, have you heard really getting involved in Ramadan? You know, I mean, the mm, first one that point. we saw this year was Bernardo's, and I mm. think they've done very well out of it because they decided strategically that they wanted to do it. Mm. Lots of their service users come from the Muslim community. Actually, let's see if we can raise some money to help support those yeah, services. Yeah, it was good from to see the, that, that campaign being celebrated, actually. That was, that was good. So, Peter, I expect in your role you, you know, come across a, a lot of people in the sector and CEOs. What's the feedback that you're hearing so early on? You know, yep. and you've just released your, your manifesto for change and you've got a fantastic looking campaign there that you're hoping will get out far and wide and obviously yep. we'll, we'll link to it in the, the show notes. But yeah, what's the early the, the feedback that you're getting from, from the sector about the need for this, what people are doing at the moment, what they need help with? Sure, okay. So I think the Change Collective, one thing that we're really trying to do is to make it for everyone. So it's not just for organisations wherever you are working or volunteering within the charity sector, if you believe in what we're saying in the manifesto that this is really important to make the profession more diverse and more inclusive, you can get involved. You know, we we don't just need the leaders, the senior people to get involved. We want anybody who can agitate to make this happen within within the sector. And I think the response has been good. We had an amazing panel of people with lived experience, mm. disabled fundraisers, BME fundraisers, gay fundraisers, all helping us sculpt what the manifesto is, and they bring their organisations with them. Several of the big charities already have got heads of equality, diversity and inclusion within them. Mm-hmm. Some of them are struggling a bit internally to get it taken up, but at least those organisations are see it as an issue and beginning to address it we had a great launch last week i mean i think the the tricky bit and the worrying bit is whether we're just preaching to the converted at the moment and i think one of the one of the big things in the in the manifesto for change is we need to absolutely win hearts and minds so you know not just of the fundraising community but of chief execs of hr people of people and trustees really need to believe it and so one of the first activities is a is a campaign to make sure that we're winning people's hearts and minds so they do start to address it in a real way you know spending more money on recruitment making sure that their progression pathways are based on merit and nothing else and making sure that everybody really is the right fit um so one of our next things is is a role model program actually quite nicely some of the people on the panel talk about it being real models so 
working class people have brought come from an estate down in Brixton getting involved not not somebody from BMA background who's gone to Oxford and then come in so that concept of actually this is for everyone and you can really make a career and make a success and make the world a better place through fundraising is higher part of agenda to show those real models mm-hmm. quite like real models yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm going to steal that one. Yeah, it's just got that bit of integrity to it, hasn't it? It's yeah, kind it's of nice. like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. What else have you got planned? What else is involved in this? So you'll see, and I, you know, I hope your podcast listeners, if that's what they're called, well, well James's mum and my mum, basically. <laughs> right, we make a running joke. Hopefully, a bit wider than that, and um, we'll have a look at it. So there's a range of things that that the panel have come up that we need to do, and we obviously need to prioritise what those what those things are we were really pleased with we raised a bit of money from our members last year for an access fund for people to come to convention and that enabled 24 people from diverse backgrounds to come to convention who wouldn't otherwise have been able to come and they really added to the diversity of thought and Mm. to the experience of people there as well as not having been able to be there before so we want to grow grow that over time Mm. um, not just for convention but for our other training qualifications yes and certainly events. when i was i went to see amanda's session in scotland around diversity and all of the points that you just made around particularly around being the right fit came up in that so if the same happens in london next year then that's great yeah, yeah more of that thank you so some of that as i said the role models i think is going to be really important uh the hearts and minds and then with the, the timing's quite important so one of the things we need to do is a recruitment toolkit actually we need to make sure that people use it when we produce it but we're hoping to work with some of the recruitment agencies to make sure that everybody in the sector buys into what you can do if you really try to recruit a more diverse entry level into the profession so that's going to be high up the agenda yeah and talking about recruitment you've also mentioned banning unpaid internships yep which is a topic that keeps coming up yep but that seems like a good drive as well Yes, I think it should be a really easy, quick win for people to just to stop that happening and to make sure they are paying a living wage to people who are basically working for them. I mean, we had a lovely story from the launch, actually. We had an intern from Cancer Research UK who had studied law. She wasn't quite sure she was going to follow a career in law, so she was looking at the charity sector. But one of the decisions, one of the things that will impact on her decision is how do they address diversity? Are the people who look like her within Cancer Research UK or within the charity sector? And I think that really brought it home to somebody in their 20s saying, look, I'm making this career decision. Are the people who look like me in this profession, are you going to support me and develop me to be a really fantastic senior fundraiser in in due course? Mm. Yes, and here we've got a list of things. So championing case studies of diverse teams, challenging others to follow, role models and real models is on there delivering that business moral and emotional campaign um, and encouraging flexible working practices which we talk about a lot uh, <laughs> on this podcast it seems yeah. to be one of our bingo uh, <laughs> topics and then women into leadership programs is another thing that keeps coming up so there's work to be done there as well one, one of the things that i found really interesting is we did a workshop with women around why how can it be that you know, from what we know at the moment, 70% of fundraisers are women, but probably only 50% at a senior level. And we'll get a bit more granularity on that with this survey. But the women involved in the panel really didn't know why that was. Genuinely asked, well, where do those women go? So if any of your 
listeners have got ideas, please do let us know. We're going to try and pull together a, a, a proper research project on it, speaking to women in fundraising. Do women go off and become consultants because it's more flexible? Mm-hmm. Our workplace is not flexible enough for them if they have childcare responsibilities. But actually nobody had, you know, they didn't sit there and say, oh, this is the problem, you need to address that. They said, we don't actually know where these women go, why they aren't at the senior level. Yeah, and one moment. of the points here, and Kenneth touched on it earlier on, was surveys and research into, into what's going on and, and why. And so that would be interesting to see the results of that. I think it's good to hear from you, Peter, and that this is a conversation, right? This is where we need people to to stand up and have a conversation. And, yep. and uh, as, as your research, and I'm sure some of the background, a lot of this goes on at the moment. People are feeling like they don't fit, or as you, as you commented on earlier, it's all going on a lot behind closed doors. But what we want to yep. do, and I'm guessing what the uh, Institute of Fundraising wants to do, is is actually let's have a voice, about, let's have an opinion, let's have a yep. let's have a debate, let's have a discussion. And so, if there's someone listening to this who maybe works on a you know relatively small charity and uh, as a fundraiser what message would you give to them about about this whole the the campaign and and about what they can do to get involved so as i said the change collective is for everyone do sign up and you'll get updates on what we're doing you'll be able to get access to materials on our website we are hoping that this well but this will be a theme of our work over time so we want to get people together who who want to get involved and want to do things. One of the things that I think is really important that the panel talked about a lot is that people are often afraid about talking about it and and because they're afraid of talking about it, they don't actually go ahead and do things. They don't have those conversations that they're slightly nervous about. And they've been absolutely clear. They are sure, as am I, that we will make mistakes on this journey. We'll be <laughs> clumsy, we'll offend people we won't mean to. But it's just, so my my urge would be, if you care about it, do make sure you have those difficult conversations. Mm. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Speak to your line management, speak to your team, speak to your HR people if you've got them. Say, actually, we're not very diverse. You know, all the evidence says that we can be better if we're more diverse. What can we do together to do it? And the answer will be different in different places in the country, but at least have that conversation. And that's very honest of you to say we will make mistakes and we, we will offend people and we won't mean to. What was it that made you guys feel like you should step up on this? Why are the IOF leading on it? So we, our vision is excellent fundraising for a better world. Based on all the evidence there is that diversity leads to better decision making. And based on the stuff that I mentioned around how happy our fundraisers engaging with diverse communities. And we are a fantastically diverse country now. We do not believe, and the board has been absolutely clear, you cannot be delivering excellent fundraising unless you have a diverse and inclusive team. So it's as simple as that. We don't think you can have excellence unless you're diverse and inclusive. That seems like a really, really good point to, to sum it up with. I think, Peter, that's really good to, to hear, and I'd encourage anyone listening to kind of get involved. And, and, you know, maybe it's something, I mean, we tend to try and do these podcasts and then have a bit of a follow-up discussion. But I must admit, being completely upfront, I was a little bit nervous about discussing it. And I think on, on the podcast and a bit of a public forum, and I think that's something that we've got to all get past and just kind of, you know, have the discussion. Open and honest conversation. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah, so maybe that's something that we can do. And Peter, we tend to have a little bit of fun at the end of the podcast. Uh, Ooh, well, we have a little about this. We have, <laughs> <laughs> Silent dancing. Hit the music. Uh, no, uh, we've got a couple of standard questions that we, we like to throw in there for people around this do more good sector. So question number one, if you don't mind asking, if you could place an ad across Facebook for the entire day across the world, what would it say? 
Ooh, an ad across Facebook. God, I Come on, you've got manifesto, have, for, have, manifesto for change in front of I've you. I've got a manifesto. <laughs> you said it was for fun, you know. My, my worthy, I got accused. <laughs> one of my wor- I, When I was running London Cycling Campaign, we did lots of media work. And Time Out did a feature on cycling, which we were really pleased about, apart from the fact that it was the very worthy London cycling campaign. <laughs> so I was trying not to be worthy, but clearly the manifesto for change, if you're being serious, would be the thing that would be up there. And it would be saying to everyone, you can have a fantastic career in fundraising, get involved, mm. come and help make the world a better place by, by raising money That's to deliver those causes. Okay. Yeah, I, like nice. I like that. What sort of advice would you give to a young fundraiser just coming into um, the profession at the moment? Be bold, seize opportunities, be demanding about your future career of the organisation. You know, your organisation should be supporting you to develop your skills, to develop your qualifications, get involved in the institutes, get talking to people. The people Mm. who, who I think have done the best are the people who have really strong networks of people that they can talk to about things. It's very it's very easy to learn the theory around fundraising, or relatively easy, but actually you then need to put it into practice, and if you've got friends and colleagues and peers who you can just talk to and say, I'm a bit nervous about this. Have you ever done this, or mm, how would yeah. you approach that? I think that that's, that would be my advice. Absol- uh, yeah, I'd yeah, second, second third, that completely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's people with their hands up around the office. <laughs> They're having a silent disco over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the last one, which I think is a, a nice one, saying we're on a you know do more good about fundraising. What one supporter fundraising story sticks in your mind from all of the ones that you've heard at you know convention or you've maybe come across? Which one story sticks in your mind, and and, and why was that? I was really, really impressed, actually, with Oxfam on the back of the the safeguarding issues earlier this year. And they reached out to their current donors and took some of their current donors on a trip out to see their field work. And they took them out there with the media and they were absolutely open about everything that they could see. And I think that is an exceptional example of you know you have to be open and transparent you have Mm. to be confident about the work that you're doing Mm. and i think in the circumstances that was quite an exceptional piece of of donor engagement and donor care no great example i thought you were going to talk about why you why you have wearing a shaved head at the moment was that (laughs) was the best supporter story i heard there was a bit of a so people want to see the shaved head (laughs) and hear more about it how can they follow you you're you're all over social media they can follow me on Twitter at P-I-T-E-R-K 68 and they can see the full glory there, <laughs> unfortunately. Still taking donations? <laughs> Still taking donations if people want to contribute. It's a fantastic children's home. My girlfriend has been involved supporting for the last 10 years. She worked there for six or volunteered there for six months and I've been out there a couple of times and the amount that they can do for young kids in the pool for very little is absolutely awesome. Mm, brilliant. Good stuff. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you, Merrick, very much for having us. Well, thank yeah. you. It's been fun. Yeah, good. No, thanks, Peter, and we'll uh, we'll catch you all soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers bye bye. Before we go, quick quiz for you, Kenneth. Uh, Twitter. Do more good pod. Instagram. Do more good pod. Website. Do more good uh, Reviews. Please leave them on iTunes and all other good podcast providers are available. MySpace. Uh, little K Dizzle still going strong. That's great. <laughs> <A little bit. laughs>